Hey, welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast. This podcast is all about helping you clarify your message so that you can grow your business. I'm Donald Miller. I'm here with the co-host, JJ Peterson. Hello, JJ. Hey, Don. How are you? I'm very good. This is kind of exciting. We've actually already recorded a bunch of interviews for the podcast. And they're amazing. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I'm so excited. We've got this amazing first season. There's going to be seven uh, episodes per season Mm -hmm. because there are seven parts to the Story Brand Framework. And I think if you keep listening to it long enough, you're going to understand the framework. And basically what that means is you're going to become a really incredible communicator, uh, great at marketing, great at leading, because I think there's seven important things you got to communicate if you want people to understand what you're talking about. And I love that you're the co-host because... You have a PhD in communication, <laughs> and I'm dumb. Yeah, <laughs> so you, can, you can refer to me as Dr. JJ. But, Doctor, um, can we just call you Dr. J? Is that yeah, okay? Yeah, especially <laughs> for the sake of this. That's great. So the name of this podcast is Building a Story Brand. Tell me a little bit about what is a story brand. A story brand is a brand that stands out, right? There are probably a thousand computer companies in the world. Apple is the first one that anybody will name. What is it that makes them so special? And what makes them so special is they do business and also do their marketing with a story framework. They, they have a narrative. They have a customer that wants something, wants to be heard, wants to be known, and they come in as the guide and they give the customer tools that the customer can use to win the day. That's a narrative framework. Apple is a, a story brand, and I consider it an adjective. It's a descriptive uh, term that we would use t- toward a company or even a personal brand that stands out. And the personal brand, you'd call Bill Clinton a story brand. You'd call uh, Ronald Reagan a story brand because there's a whole narrative around them that may seem, to the end user, there's just something special or unique. But the, to those of us who know, we know they are using these seven elements in order to stand out from the competition. In the nonprofit world, Charity Water, who we've worked intensely with, is a story brand. Uh, Chick-fil-A is a story brand. So uh, it may take you a little bit to understand the difference between a a regular brand and a story brand, but the best way to know is they stand out and we say something is really special about this brand. And uh, when we start diving into it, you realize they're doing these seven things that we teach businesses to do. For those people who have not been to our workshop in Nashville or taken the online workshop that walks through the seven elements of the story brand framework, tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about each of those. What are the seven elements of story brand? Well, I'll tell you why the seven elements are important in the first place. They're based on 2,000 years of best practices in storytelling. And everybody's going, why do I need to know about storytelling? Because it is the absolute most powerful tool you can use to compel a human brain. So if you need people to pay attention to you, if you're running for president or CEO of an organization or a mom trying to get your kids to to calm down (laughs) or a dad trying to get your wife to love you, (laughs) This is is important stuff because if people don't understand what we're saying, uh, they're tuning out. They're not listening. And that means we're not having an impact in the world. Now, we the framework, we really use it to help people clarify their their marketing and their branding. So if you have a website that's not converting people into buyers, you know, this is the power of the framework that we use it. But it's I mean, as you know, it's so much more broad than that. So we put together this this episode uh, or this uh, this podcast and each episode will focus on one of these seven elements. So I'll share them with you knowing if the reader will just keep paying attention, it's going to make a lot more sense as they continue to dive into the story brand world. But essentially what it is, is there are seven elements that exist in almost every story. And that means it's a hidden language. A lot of people don't know that story is a formula. And I can, you know, I know these formulas so well. I have software on my computer. I've taken all the seminars. There's only about seven of them, and you interchange the character and the challenges and all that kind of stuff. 
and it tells a story and people pay attention. The human brain spends about 30% of its time daydreaming, but when you're watching a movie, you don't daydream, which is amazing. Yeah. It means the movie's daydreaming for you. Yeah. So where does that power come from? Well, here are seven things that happen in almost every story. One, you have a character, right? The character, Liam Neeson shows up on screen and he wants something. He wants to save his daughter who's been taken by terrorists, right? That character has a problem, you know, and there are all sorts of problems. In That's the, movie. the second That's phase. the second one. So step one is a character. Step two is a problem that keeps the character from getting what they want. Step three is a guide steps into the movie. Yoda, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Haymitch uh, in Hunger Games. They step in to help the hero solve the problem and get what they want. The guide gives them a plan. This is part four. The hero is part three. The guide is part four. The plan is trust the force or whatever it is. The plan always has to be in the movie. Step five is they call the hero to action. They have to do something to go and save the day. And then there's step six and seven, which actually work in tandem. You can have a happy ending, a successful ending to a story, or a tragic ending, a failure ending to the story. So those are the seven elements of a story. And you're going to see them now when you watch movies, especially movies. TV is a little bit different, as you know, JJ. But uh, movies, are, that's basically the formula for movies. So then with this process, are you asking every company that goes through this process to create a movie or a commercial? Is that what you're doing with this? Like, how does no. this apply? What I'm saying is those are seven notes, if you will, seven chords on a guitar. And what we want to do is teach people how to communicate clearly, which means we want you to play one of those seven chords at all times in all levels of communication. And I would, I would say that if you're not using if you're not playing one of those seven chords, you've descended from music into noise and you're not making sense. So this powerful framework is a way to make sure, if you understand these seven elements, it's a way of making sure that you're communicating really clearly. For instance, if I go to your website and you've got, you know, my uncle helped start this company 20 years ago. That's not actually one of the seven chords. And we would say that's costing you sales because your customer doesn't care that your uncle helped start the company. <laughs> uh, those are the sort of paradigm shifts that, that we teach people in their, in their framework. And, and in this podcast, we're going to interview experts on every, every one of those buckets, experts on knowing who your customer is, experts on how to play the guide so your customer can be the hero, experts on creating a plan your customers will actually listen to, uh, how to create and, and sort of sell a happy ending, a successful ending that your customer can experience and all those sorts of things. And then also we get into the personal uh, you know, if you're a business person or a leader, we, we interview people to help you just in your personal life become a better leader and communicate more clearly and grow your business. Yeah. And so we're going to cover each of those elements of story each episode. So each episode kind of focuses on one of the seven. We won't do this introduction every time explaining everything through, but we thought because this is the very first one, you are starting at the beginning, you get the full story of how this is going to work through the whole thing. And then each episode, we're just going to explain each of the elements in that. That's right. And it, you know, think of it like uh, like Six Sigma or something like that, where once you really, or Four Disciplines of Execution or Lean Manufacturing, you know, StoryBrand is the Six Sigma of communication. It's a framework you can use to filter your communication. And I'm convinced that there are there are four Ps to business. If you really want to grow a business, you got to get your people right. You got to hire the right people. And then you got to know what people you're selling your products to. Get your people straight. Get your product right, right? Create a great product uh, that people love, that surveys high. Uh, then you want to create processes to duplicate those products and duplicate your manufacturing and processes to sell and all those sorts of things. That's where most businesses stop. And I think that's why so many businesses don't go 
to that explosive level. The businesses that go to that explosive level add a fourth P, and that's positioning. How are you talking about your product in the marketplace so that people can understand it very quickly, engage with you, apply uh, their need for that product to their life? All, and what we teach people to do, is to do it in under five seconds. So in under five seconds, I go to your website and I go, I need that. Why? Well, there's all sorts of things that are happening on that website that are causing people to say, I need that. Just like there's all sorts of things happening in a Taylor Swift song that makes you turn it up, right? We want to teach people to play that kind of music in their marketing. Love it. And this is getting me even excited. I've heard these interviews and I'm like crazy excited about this season. So the very first episode that we're going to walk through is talking about character, understanding Mm -hmm. the character of your story, who your customer is, what they want, what their transformation looks like when they come and work with you. And our very first interview is with Michael Hyatt. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose Michael Hyatt? I chose Michael Hyatt. Well, one, because he's a mentor and a friend and I think he's brilliant. I've seen him go from CEO at Thomas Nelson Publishers to starting his own blog, even while he was CEO. He did that for years. But as he left and and became a, an entrepreneur, you know, here he's CEO of hundreds of people under him. He becomes an entrepreneur. He turned that blog into a multi, multi, multi-million dollar business in a relatively short period of time, within three years. And it was phenomenal for me to watch. I mean, here's a guy who knows what he's doing. He, he has a, a mind that just works for business. Uh, but one of the things that Mike taught me early on was know who your customer is. And I had this, you know, in business, I've always just assumed I knew who the customer was, assumed I knew who I was talking to. And Mike did some in-depth surveys to figure out who he was talking to, and it radically changed the way he communicated, radically changed what he blogged about, what kind of products he created uh, as an entrepreneur. And I watched his business explode, and I realized, oh my gosh, I need to tackle this myself. <laughs> Maybe I think I know who my customer is, and I really don't. Yeah. So w- the first part of the story brand framework is, of course, you're not the hero in the story. You're the guide. Your customer is the hero. And in order to sell to that hero, we've got to know who they are and what they want. And so in, I just asked Mike all sorts of questions about that. Plus, we get along as friends, and so we chat a little bit, too. Well, great. Let's dive right in. The first episode, first season of Building a Story Brand podcast. Mike, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Glad to do it, Don. Man, you've been, I've been uh, following you for so long, learning so much from you. I first met you when you were CEO at Thomas Nelson Publishers, and uh, you signed my first book. Uh, well, everybody thinks it's my first book. It was my first book that did anything. Uh, Blue Like Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it well because I tried to talk you out of that title and I was wrong, but you were stubborn and persisted. Was and I really? It, I just remember yeah. thinking, I remember being in a, in a boardroom and us trying to come up with a title and we couldn't come up with one. And the attitude with everybody at Thomas Nelson was, well, maybe the second book will sell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember uh, really believing in the book, but I thought, nobody's going to get that title. That doesn't mean anything. Well, honestly, you know, at StoryBrand, we say if you confuse people, you're going to lose. And it's I believe it's true. And that book is an anomaly. So, I, you know, if I could go back in time, I would say do not call it Blue Like Jazz. And I'd probably have sold 37 copies. <laughs> yeah. All it did was work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. I can't. I still can't think of what that book would be called. It's about so many different things. It's hard to pin down. Anyway, uh, it's great to, to have you on the show. Season one, episode one. I mean, you're our debut guest. 
I want to talk about specifically this idea that we have to know who our customer is. First of all, there's a big story brand principle that the, the, the story of your customer is what really matters, not the story of your brand. And most business leaders don't spend very much time thinking about who they're selling to. And I remember uh, when I first started kind of blogging and selling digital products and story brand was just getting started, I made the same mistake. I, I thought I knew who my customer was. And I ended up, we had this conference, uh, and I thought, I, I, know, I know who comes to my conference. And I, I stand there, and I look at them in the audience. I can see who they are. And uh, I hired a guy named Kyle Chowning, who you know, yep. to tell me who my customer was. And I honestly thought, even though Kyle's a great guy, I thought this is a waste of money because I already know who my customer is. He came back with a profile that looked totally different and really rescued that conference. I discovered that I was talking to 70% women, and we had scheduled that conference on Halloween weekend, including Halloween day, and <laughs> we were about to lose our shorts because these moms were not going to miss taking a picture of their cute kids, and I had to change my entire marketing campaign after I figured out who my customer was. So I'm a big believer in this, figure out who they are, but you had a pretty dramatic paradigm shift with this as well. Will you tell me about your business before you figured out who your customer was and your business after? Yeah. So, you know, I, I just thought that I was helping people, you know, with productivity tips and with leadership principles and all this kind of stuff. And I thought that in order to build my own social authority, that I needed to position myself as the hero. You know, I'm the guy that's, you know, the seasoned CEO. I'm the guy that's, you know, understands leadership, understands productivity, and, and I'm going to help you. And what I discovered uh, and really it was going through StoryBrand, that I'm not the hero of the story. It's my customer that's the hero. And my customers had been trying to tell me this for years in subtle ways, but of course they hadn't been through StoryBrand, otherwise they could have dialed it in very quickly. <laughs> but but um, I started getting all these messages from people uh, over the course of several years where people would say, you know, gosh, thanks so much. You're my virtual mentor. Hmm. And that's what I kept hearing over and over again. And it was really hard for me to put that mantle on because it felt like it was audacious. But in a way, it was actually more humble because mm. when I was positioning myself as the kind of know-it-all CEO that can help you with your life, that was really the focus was on, on me, not the customer. Right. And what this required for me to say I'm your virtual mentor is that, hey, I'm not the hero of the story. I'm here to help, but you're the hero of the story. And so that was a major paradigm shift, not only in our messaging, but we com we did a complete branding overhaul, as you know, on my website. Yeah, it's it's and you did a fantastic job. I mean, Thank just you. you executed that strategy so well. How did you did you how did you figure out who the folks were? I mean, you were the guy going in saying, I want to help you be productive. I want to help you execute a strategy. I want to help you get things done. So many tools. Was there a big wake up call where you realized, oh, my word, I thought I was talking to this demographic, but I'm actually talking to this other demographic? Well, the demographic wasn't so uh, different in the sense that, you know, I've been doing reader surveys for years. Uh, every year, I think, except for one, we do an annual reader survey in the first quarter of the year. And so that's gotten more comprehensive over time. Initially, we would ask about 10 demographic questions. Then we started to ask a lot of psychographic questions. You know, what were the motivations? What were people challenged with? Uh, what, were, what did they aspire to be? Those kinds of questions, which were enormously helpful. And we teach that at Platform University, that methodology. And so now, I think this last one that we did in 2015, 
uh, we ask, believe it or not, 50 some odd questions. Wow. And people and we, answer them? People answered them. We had over 4,000 people respond to that, which is, you know, statistically makes it, you know, rock solid. Um, but yeah, they answer it. Well, and and it's really in the open-ended questions, and it takes a lot of effort on our part to read through these. But people not only tell you uh, what they're challenged by and what they aspire to become, what their dreams are, but they give it to you in their language so that when you write copy wow. to them, whether you're writing a blog post yeah. or yeah. a book or sales copy, you can actually, it sounds like you've been reading their mail because you're repeating their very language to them. Wow. that's So this stuff really plays out when you're sitting down to create a website or create a campaign or write an email blast. Do you find yourself going through that survey and trying to find what it is that they said? Yes. We do that always at the, at the beginning of a campaign. Actually, that's the second step. The first step we do is we actually write a uh, brand script for that particular product. I love so it. I that's, love it. That's that actually begins, and you didn't cue me up to say this, but I'm just telling you our process. So we do a brand script when we do a product. So like we'll completely redo five days to your best year over in, for 2017. That'll be the new edition that we'll do this next year. We'll shoot all new video. We'll create an all new workbook, all of that. But that process will begin with the brand script because we want everybody aligned around that. And then we'll go back into the, to the customer survey and make sure that we validate the data and that we're you know on track for those demographics and psychographics. Well, I, I, what's the difference between a demographic and a psychographic? Because uh, I, I, I know, but I, I remember being, uh, it being very helpful when uh, Cal Chowning actually told me the difference between demographic and psychographic. Can you explain that for our listeners? No, but they're just big words and they make me sound smart. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, a, algorithm. I I, I'm trying to use the word algorithm more. I, I do too. That's, that's one of my goals. Uh, a, a, demograph, a demographic is just a, a piece of statistical information about somebody like their age, their gender, where they live, their uh, income level, their education level, that type of thing. A psychographic is really what motivates them. It's why they do what they do. And so we break it down into what are their aspirations, what are their frustrations, what are their challenges, that type of thing. If you can get those type of things, what they want and what's keeping them from getting what they want, if you can, if you can identify those two things psychographically, that's like gold. Yeah, and so you, and this helps you also avoid making certain political statements or religious statements or making dumb jokes or something like that because you might offend somebody. Is that is that the sort of sort of uh, actionable stuff you get from the psychographics? Yeah, you know, it, uh, here's a funny one, um, and I don't know what the the demographic of your audience is. So this somebody that's not a Christian can just kind of look at this as a case study. But I was trying to be really careful in avoiding any kind of religious language or spiritual language because. You know, my podcast is in the business category on iTunes, and I, I generally think of myself as writing to a business audience. But then I started seeing that uh, in the demographic information from the surveys, that 93% of my audience is Christian. So I was kind of avoiding something that, frankly, was a way of connecting with 93% of the audience. Yes, yeah, and it sets you apart. It's a differentiator. In yeah, the it really sector. is. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've noticed that. I, you know, I, I've wondered about that myself because I'm, I'm also a Christian. We both know Dave Ramsey pretty well, and he, he doesn't hide any of that. And, you know, he's he's basically over there growing, uh, you know, busting at the seams at uh, Ramsey Solutions. And so I think there's something. Also, I just think people appreciate you being yourself. So yeah, there, there's a good lesson in there for us. Hey, why should we not trust our intuition? Because I know there's people listening, and they were just like me. They're saying, Don, I know who my customer is. 
but they've never done a survey, they've never actually gone out and figured out if they're right, why shouldn't we trust our intuition? What's the what's the downfall if we keep doing that? Well, I, actually, I believe pretty strongly in intuition. I just believe that it's got to be validated. Well, there you so, go. you know, I, I think that that oftentimes my intuition is right. And so I think part of my uh, journey professionally has been uh, to lean into my intuition and trust it. I just insist that it always gets validated. So if I think I know who my customer is, great. You know, write that down and then go test it in the marketplace and see if you're right. Uh, sometimes you are, sometimes you aren't. But if you're wrong, it can cost you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. At what point do you say, okay, this is my demographic, but I'm also going to be myself uh, and go after this demographic, where's the line for you in terms of saying, okay, I'm not going to go after, uh, you know, soccer moms because that's just not me. Uh, is there a line for you in terms of being authentic and also trying to cater to a certain market? Yeah. You know, I, I really believe in this um, principle of scratch your own itch. You know, mm, so for me, like all the problems that I'm trying to help other people with are problems that I tried to solve in my own life. And so I find that that works best because I understand it from the inside out. Um, I've failed in that um, particular problem before, and that helps me give, gives me credibility and empathy, which is uh, incredibly important in marketing. Mm -hmm. So I pretty much stick to people like me or people that were in a position similar to where I was as I was, you know, coming up through the ranks. Awesome. Okay, two final questions that we ask all of our guests. Uh, you're looking out on the horizon, you see all these leaders out there. Talk to me about one leader that you're watching uh, and you're saying, you know, I want to be more like that guy or I want to be more like that, that woman. Uh, who's out there and you're, and you're going, I'm, I'm impressed and I want to be a little bit more like that? Well, you know, sometimes people uh, come up with, with names of, of new leaders that, that you've never heard of. And, and I'm going to give you one that uh, we've all heard of, but I continue to be impressed with him, and he continues to blow my mind, and that's John Maxwell. Mm. You know, I, I've just been reading his book, Intentional Living, and I my company's called Intentional Leadership, so I really believe in being intentional. But I, I just am so impressed with John's passion and with his commitment to finishing well. And in that book, he reveals why he admired his father so much, and I really see that in John, too. I can see how his father was such a prototype for him and such an example. And I thought, wow, it just made me more committed to being that kind of dad for my own for my own kids. I love it. I got to spend a day with John uh, this year, early this year, I think. And he could he could sneeze into a, a handkerchief and change your life. I mean, he just, he just, whatever everything he says. He just, I mean, I, I remember he just at one point he, I asked him a question and he had a three point answer that he got out in about four sentences. And I was just like, this guy thinks in such concise, helpful ways, it's no wonder that uh, he's had the kind of success he's had. Well, you may have already answered this last question. Best book you've read recently, something we should all pick up. Okay, so Intentional Living is awesome. The best book I've read recently, and it's on the New York Times bestseller list right now, it's called Extreme Ownership. Ooh, Do you know this book? Sounds good. No, no, I don't know. It. Tell me. Oh, about it. Okay, so this book is basically about taking extreme ownership for your life and for your business and not passing the buck and not blaming, but taking full responsibility. And it's, and it's written by two Navy SEAL trainers. Ooh. And so you're, you're going to love it because it's so story-driven. Every chapter starts with some battle scene in Iraq where you know the Navy SEALs were pinned down, all was lost, and then they did this. And then they apply it to business, and then they tell some business story with one of their consulting clients about how the same principle applies 
uh, in the business world. So like, for example, I was reading this chapter when I was on the treadmill the other day uh, about the importance of simplicity and battle plans. If you get them too complex, Ooh, people man, don't understand them yep. and they gunk it up. And it was just a great, I was able to use it in my business this last week. Yeah, man. You know, I, I just uh, spent some time with Science Mike, Mike McHarg. He spent 15 years in the ad industry and he's since left to do other things. But uh, his nickname is Science Mike because he's just so intelligent on understanding how the brain works. And he said, the brain is trying to do two things. One, it's trying to survive. And two, this is fascinating, Mike, it's trying not to burn calories. So it's trying to burn as few <laughs> calories as it can because it's trying to preserve everything, your life and all this, and it can't get overworked. And so it made me understand the people who communicate simply uh, in marketing or in battle plans, they always win the day because if you get too complex, the people that you're talking to, their their brains are literally designed to turn you off, to stop wow. listening to you. So this whole idea of simplicity, of course, that's what we're about at StoryBrain. We help people simplify their message so it starts working. Uh, but I love this idea. I, I, you know, you're the one who really convinced me. Actually, you don't know this, but you wrote a blog about understanding who your customer is, and that changed everything for you. And that caused me to go hire Kyle Chowning to help us understand who our customer is. And we've doubled in, in uh, revenue and overall profits every year for, I think, four years since I read that. It was, it was one of the first steps of me uh, really figuring out uh, how to do business well was figuring out who my customer is. So, Mike, people can find you at michaelhyatt.com, all sorts yep. of resources. He's the, he's the real thing. Uh, I love this guy. I'm so grateful that you came on the uh, podcast. And uh, we wish you the best and hope to hear from you again. Thanks, Don. Great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Hey, it's me again, and I want to tell you about a resource I've got for you called 5-Minute Marketing Makeover. I sat down. We got this big crew that came in. We did three videos of about five minutes in length that are going to help you clarify your message so that you can earn more customers. It's really about converting browsers on your website into buyers. And I'm going to tell you this. Most of us are saying too much. There's way too many words on your website. If you go to 5minutemarketingmakeover.com, you're going to learn why nobody cares that your grandfather started the company. You're going to learn why nobody is buying your product. You're going to learn why people may really like you and like your product, but they're not telling their friends about it. It's all about giving people the words to say so that words will spread. If you think your message needs some clarifying, if you think your website could be doing better than it is, this resource is free 5minutemarketingmakeover.com you can either spell it out or use the number doesn't matter 5minutemarketingmakeover.com so every week on the building a story brand podcast we are going to go over some websites we are going to do a web critique this is our very first one, and what we're going to do is this is an audio web critique. We actually will have a video of this that you'll be able to check out after Don does the web critique. So Don is going to look at these websites. He's going to give some tips, kind of point out some places where there can be improvement, and hopefully you can listen to these and grab some tips for yourself that you can apply to your website. To get a video version of this web critique, you can go to buildingastorybrand.com slash one. Today's website comes from Sherry Naren. You have a wonderful organization called Rescue Pink. Thank you, first of all, for doing awesome work in the world. I go to your website. It's a beautiful hot pink website. It's so fun. It's so playful. And you actually are smart enough, Sherry, right at the beginning to tell me what you do. You say, rescue a girl in India. Right there. You say it. You wouldn't believe 
how hard it is for businesses and nonprofits just to tell me what they do. They want to tell me about their cat. They want to tell me about their grandmother. They want to show me pictures. They want to do all sorts of things, but they never want to tell me what, we, what they do. You actually even say on your website, what we do. You're smart enough to say, here's what we do. You're communicating clearly. It's no wonder that you're saving the world out there. All right. I'm liking this website. You can go to rescuepink.org if you want to follow me online as I review it. Sherry, there are a couple things that I would suggest. And I seem to say the same things over and over as we review websites, but they're important things and maybe we all need to learn them. First of all, you've got a slideshow going on uh, at the top above the fold of moving images and lots sorts of uh, all sorts of dynamic things happening. In part, I like it because it told me that you're trying to rescue a girl in India, right? But then the slideshow moves so quickly that I don't have time to really read everything that you're offering. In fact, on the second slideshow, on the second slide, you have what we do in big letters. Then you have one, two, three, three things, rescue, awareness, and prevention. Then you've got long paragraphs with small text. Sherry, I hate to tell you this, nobody has ever read it. Nobody's ever read those paragraphs. In fact, it's just too much information too soon. You want to put that information, let it scroll down the web page a little bit and put that information in a lower section of the website. What we need up front is for your website to pass the grunt test. And by the grunt test, I mean, can somebody grunt out what you offer? If you showed somebody your website for five seconds, could they grunt out three things? What you offer, what you sell, how it's going to make their life better, and what they need to do to buy it. So when you're talking about a nonprofit, who you're trying to help, how's it going to make the world better, and what do I need to do to participate? Those are the three things. Another thing that we really want to do here, Sherry, is we want the top right of your website. You've got search. This is dominant real estate, your top right. You want donate and volunteer. If you want volunteers and you want donations, top right, bright pink button, give it to me right there. I'm, I'm drinking from a fire hydrant of information. And what happens is the brain is trying to do two things. It's trying to understand things clearly and quickly. And two, it's trying to conserve calories. So you're being complicated, which doesn't allow me to understand things quickly. And you're also asking me to think too hard, which is making me burn too many calories. So what my brain says is, hey, for to survive, let's literally stop trying to engage this website just to survive. And then as we scroll down the page, you've got a transitional call to action, a video to watch. Great stuff. Videos are great transitional calls to action. And then uh, you get a little deeper as we go through uh, how it all began. Donate, donate to Rescue Pink. I mean, you want donate top right. Don't you want some money? I mean, you got to have money to pull this stuff off. Ask for it at the very top top right. Ask for it again and again. The other thing I want you to do, Sherry, is I want you to get my email address. And don't have me sign up for your newsletter. Listen to everybody. Nobody wants to sign up for your newsletter. Nobody. Uh, five ways uh, human trafficking uh, is caused by the foods you eat or the clothes you buy. Give me a title like that with a PDF that I can download, I'm going to give you my email address. And then if I give you my email address, I'm a qualified buyer. I'm a qualified person who might want to donate to this cause. And so you really want to give me a transitional call to action that's going to ask for, that's going to get my email address and you want to on-ramp me to your cause. Listen, Sherry, I love what you're doing. It's fantastic. It's important. And it's an important enough cause to clarify this stuff, to make these few changes. These are not expensive changes that you need to make to your website, but I want to know very quickly who you're trying to help, How's it going to make the world better? And what do I need to do to get involved? I can't figure that out quite quickly enough on your website. I want to know it even more clearly and even more simple. And I know what you're saying. Don, can, it really, can I really make it that simple? Yes. Yes. Uh, simple wins. Simple wins. Clear wins every single time. Listen, thanks for listening to this part of 
uh, the Building a Story Brand podcast. If you want us to review your website again, just hit me up at Twitter at Donald Miller or at StoryBrand or send a message to both. Give me the name of your website. Our staff will review them and try to find one to review on the next podcast. If you want to know more about StoryBrand, if you want to go through the StoryBrand framework, visit StoryBrand.com. Come to one of our workshops, take our online workshop, or bring in a facilitator to take your entire company through the process to clarify your messaging and your marketing. To get a video of the web critique along with an unedited version of the interview with Michael Hyatt, visit buildingastorybrand.com slash one. Thanks so much for listening. Our music today from this episode is from the album Black Bear by Andrew Bell, which you can listen to on Spotify or download on iTunes. Our aim with this podcast is to help you stand out in a sea of noise by helping you get crystal clear with your message. On behalf of the whole StoryBrand team, thanks for listening.